Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But many people wonder, how can I be free from things I've struggled with all my life? Anger, impurity, anxiety, depression, fear, gluttony, and so on. Well, today, Eric Hurt and Mike Cleveland study a passage of Scripture that will help you enjoy the freedom that Jesus died to give you. Hello and greetings all. This is Mike Cleveland and Eric Hurt is with me as well. How are you today, Eric? I'm doing great today, Mike. It's really good to be here once again. Just love doing these podcasts with you. I love doing them too. It's the highlight of my, uh, of my week, brother. And um, I, I just want to take a second and encourage you, if you're listening, uh, that if you are getting something out of these podcasts, if, if God is using the message of the cross to reach your heart, if any changes are being made, uh, or if you have any questions or thoughts, uh, please just write in to us. You can reach us at helpdesk at settingcaptivesfree.com. That's helpdesk, all one word, at settingcaptivesfree.com. Again, any questions, any thoughts, if God's reaching your heart, if he's making changes through these podcasts, because we expect him to do that, don't we, Eric? Yeah, we sure do. And we would just absolutely be delighted to hear uh, what the Lord is doing uh, from this interaction that you and I are enjoying doing here in these podcasts. And so please... Right in, uh, brothers and sisters, and let us know what's, uh, what the Lord has done in your heart. Amen. Well, we're going to begin a series, or at least a couple, of podcasts looking at the book of 1 Corinthians, and specifically chapter 15. And so uh, if you are where you can open a Bible, or if, you, if not, just listen, and we'll read it to you. But uh, Eric, if you have 1 Corinthians 15, why don't you read the first two verses there and we'll talk about that. Okay, first two verses, one and two. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. I I just love how uh, he is saying, I want to remind you uh, of the gospel that I preached to you. It's the one that you received. Uh, it's the one in which you stand by. Uh, this is the power of God, brother, the power of God to save you, to hold you firmly. And um, there's, there's really no other message like that, is there, Mike? No, indeed. That is very true. And, you know, um, it's important to understand, I think, that they had already known the gospel. They had already heard it. They had already received it. They had already taken their stand on it. Well, why are you talking about it again, Paul? Uh, And the answer is because, as he tells us in the next verse, verse 3, it's of first importance. It's the main thing. Uh, And so Paul is saying, I know you know this. Uh, I've preached it to you. You've received it. You took your stand on it. But I want to remind you of it again. And really, that's what our podcasts do, right, Eric? Yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to do here is we're trying to remind uh, not only ourselves of what we've been delivered from and the power of this incredible gospel, uh, but we're trying to uh, allow the listeners uh, to hear in too and be reminded. Like you said, they've already heard the message. 
but you know, Mike, it's, it's human nature to forget quickly, isn't it, sometimes? And so uh, I'm here to remind you um, that there is no other way, there is no other message. This is the message, Mike, that keeps us stable. Uh, this is the message that we need to hear over and over to be reminded of the power from which we've been delivered from, uh, where we take our stand on. And that's just incredible to think about, uh, that we, we stand here. Uh, it's the message we received, Mike. It's always to be reminded that, that this is solid ground. And yeah. this is where we took our stand. And I just love that. And I, I love uh, that you brought in verse three of being of first importance. In other words, there's just simply no other message that can match this one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, they had taken their stand on this, as, as you mentioned. I just want to go back to that for a minute because, um, you know, there's so many things that, quote, religious people um, take a stand on. Um, maybe you're taking a stand on eschatology, the study of end times events, and you are convinced that premillennialism is the only way, the truth, and the life. Or maybe you're convinced that amillennialism, those premills are wrong, you know, it's amillennialism. Or maybe you are, are taking a stand on the mode of baptism. It cannot be sprinkling, it has to be full immersion, or it's got to be only, you know what I mean? There's so many different things in life. Maybe it's the law of God. You know, God has his law and that's his standard and that that's his character revealed and it was written on stone. And it, so you're taking your, your stand on the law or on the mode of baptism or on the, the end times events or on, uh, it, 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 it's unlimited, Eric, right? You, yeah, yeah. you take a stand on anything. Maybe it's abortion. Maybe it's um, right to life. You know, there's so many things, and many of them good and right. But what we see in this passage is the Corinthians had taken their stand on the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that is what is so critical because there's so many reasons for it. One of them, Eric, is because the churches need to have a consistent message. We have to, to hear the, the gospel, the power of the cross, the power of the resurrection. Uh, and so, you know, Eric, isn't it important to not be distracted by other messages and take your stand on them? Oh, absolutely. And I love, love, love that list that you came up with, Mike, because it's so clear that even though that list that you came up with, eschatology and all the rest, uh, you know, those are good things, like you said. But Mike, if the gospel is of first importance, which it is, and it's the only message that saves, and, and it is, then every other message other than the gospel, Mike, is a secondary issue, and we shouldn't get sidetracked or sidelined by the secondary issues. It doesn't mean they're not important. It just means they're not of first importance. It's, they're not the place where we make our stand that wasn't the message they received. They re received the message with power. They received the message that changes them, not changes. The message never changes, Mike, but it changes you and I and the listeners. And so, you know, since it is of first importance, every other issue is secondary. And, and really, every other issue can be viewed from the lens of the cross, meaning you can address every single subject that you want to address uh, through the cross. 
Um, and, and so that's how Paul does it. You know, you can look at 1 Corinthians 15 and you see all these issues that the Corinthians were dealing with. And I will encourage you to look through this book and yeah. see that every issue is, is taken straight to the cross. Uh, as, as to say that the cross is the solution for every issue. And it's, it's how you can address every subject is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. You know, Eric, we're talking here about that which is of first importance. Um, you know, my profession is flying, and we have two things that are critical, airspeed and altitude. And without those two things, that airplane isn't flying. Those are of first importance. So whatever else you're doing uh, in that airplane, you have got to keep these two always at the forefront of your mind, altitude and airspeed. What we're going to see in this passage is the gospel is made up of two things, the death of Jesus and his resurrection. And these things you've always got to keep in the forefront of your mind because without them, you aren't flying. Uh, your Christian life comes to a crash. Um, you know, people talk about investing, and you got to buy low and sell high. You do it the opposite way, you crash. Um, in, in Christianity, in our lives, this message should just burn in our hearts, brother. It, you know, Jesus, out of the passion in his heart, went to the hill of Calvary and climbed it. Then he laid down on a piece of wood, and in essence, told those soldiers to pound the nails into his hands and feet. Why? He was forgiving you. He was dying to pay the price for your sin. And this is of first importance. Amen. And I just love how you said that you invited the listener uh, to go through the book and look how the cross is the solution to every issue. And, you know, that's what we see in all of Scripture, isn't it, Mike? We see the gospel is interwoven everywhere. And if we're not careful, we can take a passage of Scripture and make it gospel-less or without the power. That's where all the power is. We, we surely don't want to leave that out. So when we're looking at Scripture, we need to see that the gospel really is there every time. And it's interwoven and it, because it's the answer. It's the antidote. And I, I love how you use the illustration of... Uh, Altitude and wind speed, that's, that's just uh, so awesome. You know, air that's... Airspeed, brother. Airspeed. Oh, airspeed, sorry. <laughs> well, I can mess that up. I just won't mess up the gospel. How does that sound? <laughs> and then you've got the most important thing in life. Um, and so uh, here, let's do something right now. Let's ask our listeners, uh, if you would, to even just in your head, define the gospel. Hmm. What is the gospel? Can you define it clearly? And the reason I'm asking this, Eric, is because, you know, I have heard the gospel defined as the love of God for us, or as, you know, all the good things that God does for us, or the fact that I'm chosen in him, or um, any number of hundreds of different things. Oh, it's just the good news of the Bible, or, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. this general uh, set of things that God has done for us or that he loves me. Okay, these things are good. They're true. They're right. But they are not the gospel. That's right, because the gospel is very, very clear. When we say gospel, we're talking about the death of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, that he was buried, and that he rose on the third day according 
to the scriptures. And that is just so incredible, isn't it, Mike? Uh, it, we're saying that according to the scriptures, this, this is the gospel. And so it's interwoven through the scriptures, at, through the Old Testament passages, all the way uh, through the New Testament passages, Mike, because it's the message of first importance. And so we have to have the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It, 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 it must, that is the gospel. And so you're right, we have to define it constantly so that we know that we're talking about the right message and the right gospel. Yes, the, the biblical gospel. Um, it's almost a catchphrase, isn't it? That we'll hear people say, uh, oh, that's the gospel truth. Yeah. You know, well, that, uh, you know, I drove to the store and got some eggs. That's the gospel truth. Um, yeah. You know, that's not the gospel. Uh, right. And, and I may, I'm being facetious, but, you know, in, in Christianity, um, people sometimes use the catchphrase that the people listening, they don't understand. They aren't able to, what do you mean, the gospel? Could you tell me what it is? And so we, we look at it right here, um, that, the, that the message that's of first importance is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, verse 4, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and verse 5, that he appeared to Cephas and then the 12, and after that he appeared to more than 500, and so forth. And so really, Eric, what we have here is two parts to the gospel. It's like altitude and airspeed. We've got the death of Jesus, okay? And that is confirmed by the fact that he was buried. And then we have the resurrection of Jesus, and that was confirmed by the fact that he appeared to Cephas and to the 12 and to the 500. Mm -hmm. So we've got the, to define this very carefully. If we ever hear a message that talks all about the gospel, but leaves out the death of Jesus as payment for our sins, as the, the grounds or basis of our forgiveness, then we have not heard the gospel. Amen. And, you know, one of the other things that, that you touched on earlier was that this is how we define the passage. So if we're preaching or teaching, that must be interwoven with the passage. It's how the passage is interpreted and explained and understood carefully, because this is where we see when we look to the cross, uh, where Jesus took our sin into his own flesh, something happens to us, brother, when we look there. And when we constantly look there and we recognize that whatever passage we're looking at is a result of this death on the cross, this, his burial in a tomb and his raising from the dead for us and our justification. And, and Mike, our lives, our very lives are to follow Christ to the cross yes. where our old man is put to death, where our old man is buried in a tomb. And yet, Mike, we rise with power. We rise as a new creature. We rise with a new life. And when we look at this cross constantly, we are receiving the love of God. We're receiving the mercy of God. When we believe the gospel, when we believe that Jesus paid our sin debt on the cross, we receive the Spirit, brother, where we're able to walk by the power of the Spirit uh, in a new life, in a new direction. And it's just absolutely uh, incredible. And so um, this is why we love doing these podcasts and sharing with the listeners. That's exactly right. I, I love what you said there about 
the scriptures should be interpreted in light of the cross and the resurrection. And if you think about it this way, we, we might even go so far as to say, if we leave this main message out, we are twisting the scriptures. Uh, we are not interpreting them as God has designed them to be, to be a revelation of his son and what he accomplished on the cross for us. Uh, Eric, when Paul says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that tells us that Paul wasn't just sitting in some room coming up with stuff off the top of his head. No, the, the, the message of the gospel is rooted and grounded in the Old Testament because that's the scriptures he's referring to. And so yeah. he's in essence saying all the scripture in the Old Testament points forward to, it expounds on, it illuminates, or it in some way um, reveals the death of Jesus Christ for our sins and the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, from the dead. And so what we have here is scripture expounded and revealed if we have the cross in it, if we don't have the cross in it, we are literally misinterpreting scripture and we are twisting it, making it say something that it wasn't designed by God to say because God designed his word to reveal his son and what he accomplished when he said it is finished. Uh, so that's important, brother. We want to make sure and, and see into the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, the death of Jesus Christ in literally every passage we're looking at. Yeah, and that's so important, uh, as it stated here, that it was of first importance. And like you said, you could picture him sitting there and looking into the Old Testament as he's writing, you know, and um, just uh, gleaning back on all the writings and, and, and pinning it here, you know, at that this was according to the scriptures. Like you said, it's not off the top of my head. I didn't hear this from somebody else. And this is what has been written. This is what we have um, seen. We have seen the stories. We have seen uh, Jesus Christ uh, crucified, buried and risen all through the Old Testament passage. And uh, so I really appreciate how you have uh, just expanded on that, brother. Uh, Eric, I want to I want to do something in kind of in closing here with you. If if you have your Bible open on your computer, uh, turn to Isaiah fifty three, and this is a passage that's well known. It was written seven hundred years before Christ was born, um, but I just want to go through a couple verses with you. And for fun, um, I'm going to take a couple and just say a word or two about how it points to the cross. And then you take a couple and just say a word or two in closing here about how this passage points to the cross. Because what we're, what we're doing is we're illustrating the fact that the death of Christ for our sins is according to the scriptures. And, and so this is how we need to see the scriptures in light of the cross. So um, I'm going to start in verse 4. I'm just going to read these passages and maybe, I don't know, uh, two verses, and just say a couple words. So here it is. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Okay, well, Eric, it's clear that the he and the him is Christ. If you look in chapter 52 and the beginning of chapter 53, it's talking about God's son, the suffering servant, Mm -hmm. And here he is being punished by God. 
okay, stricken and afflicted by God the Father. Well, we see that on the cross when he had the nails pounded into his hands, when, when he was stabbed in the side by the Roman soldier, humans were doing that, but they were doing it because it was God punishing his own son for you. Um, Jesus took your punishment. Uh, verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Uh, the punishment that brought us peace, brought us peace, was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So look at Jesus there. He's being uh, wounded. He, he's being pierced. The nails are driven into his hands. The the scourging of his back, where his back looks like a farmer's field. It's been plowed. Um, he's enduring all this because God is punishing him, Eric, for you, for me. And why? Well, the punishment that he took brought us peace. Hmm. Uh, we have peace with God now because our sins have been removed and punished in the person of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have peace and acceptance with God. His wounds uh, that he received at the cross heal us. That is, it, it heals us from our sin sickness. Uh, we look at the cross, brother, and my heart is just, it's just healed. Mm. It just says, oh, what I did wrong has been paid for. Mm. Uh, all my sin has already been punished, and therefore I am free, and I'm healed, and I'm made alive. So that's a couple of verses. Brother, why don't you take a couple here, like verses 6 and 7, however much time we have. Okay, uh, verse 6 and 7. All we like sheep have gone astray. Uh, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For all, all our wayward ways we've gone, brother, all the sin that we've ever done, all the idols that we've ever lifted up, uh, every place that we've ever gone, our own way, that's all considered to be our own way, brother, our own sin, things that we wanted, things that we desired. And yet uh, the Lord had laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all, brother. He took the sin of the entire world as he became sin for us on the cross, judged and condemned in our place. Isn't that just remarkable? I mean, when we look there with our eyes of faith, uh, just like you, friend, when you were, when, when you were, uh, going over the passages and looking to the cross, I could hear you getting choked up because it does something to our hearts. When we look there, it, it, it just melts our heart. It, it grieves our heart that God would love us this way and that Jesus would be willing to go pay our penalty for us. And the fact that we don't have to come to God in fear, but we don't have to be worried about the wrath of God coming down on us when we look there because Jesus took it all for us. In verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet, Mike, he opened not his mouth. <laughs> Incredible. Like a lamb that was led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. That is just breathtaking to think about that he was oppressed and afflicted for us and yet mike he didn't retaliate he didn't even open his mouth he was just like a lamb uh, which he is the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world 
And the, that Lamb of God was led to the slaughter, brother, for us. What does that tell us? That tells us he was torn and bruised and beaten and pierced. Uh, he was slaughtered for us. He was the perfect offering for us on the cross. And he never opened his mouth, brother. He, in fact, loved us by going to the cross. And friend, we just want you to look to the cross with us and let your heart be overtaken. Let your heart be overwhelmed and let your life and sin all be forgiven as you look to the Lamb of God on the cross who gladly and for the joy set before him went there for you to take away your sin. Eric, look at the amazing person of Jesus Christ. Just, mm. um, he has been beaten to within an inch of his life. He has been nailed to a cross. He has been spit on and mocked and slapped and beaten and mm. pierced and crucified. Now you and I would go with just, hey, just you wait, Sundays are coming. You know, <laughs> wait till the resurrection, buddy. And all. there's none of that. That's right. There's none of that. This lamb is silent. Mm. This lamb will not defend himself. This lamb will not um, speak any words of revenge. This lamb has come to silently suffer and to give up his life for you. Mm. And I'll tell you what, brother, as you were saying those words, you made me love him so much more, <laughs> um, if possible. Because yeah. as his heart was open on the cross, my heart is opened at the cross too. Uh, and sometimes you feel like your heart is just exploding because of, um, of all the love. And, and so this is how we are to interpret the scripture, all of them. And if we get a chance, as we continue through 1 Corinthians 15, we'll look at some more of these. But brother, as we close right now, uh, maybe just minister to us in prayer, will you? Yes, absolutely. Father in heaven, we are so grateful and so filled up to overflowing as we look to this cross and we recognize the love and the grace and the mercy poured out to us there. Uh, we recognize the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world as he was led there, afflicted and pierced for our transgressions so that we might be healed, uh, that we might be forgiven, that we might even be clothed in the righteousness isn't that incredible to think about? Lord, thank you so much that, that at the cross, our sin is removed from us and we're clothed in righteousness, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God led to the slaughter to take away our sin and shame, uh, healed by his wounds and giving us peace in our life. Oh, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that just one more heart would look there with us today. Uh, that their hearts would be consumed uh, with the love and the mercy and grace of Jesus on the cross, dying for them, purchasing them, canceling their debt. Lord, this is all what we've been talking about today, about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all according to the scriptures as we've seen here in Isaiah 53. So Lord, please, one more heart. May one more heart look to the cross and never be the same. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. 
for more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.